I'm Brian Tyler. Um, we're here to talk about all things music, music and film, uh, ins and outs of the industry, and what it's like to be a composer in this day and age. Here we are. Welcome. Brian, thank you so much for uh, inviting me here to your studio. It's sure. It's such great to speak with you again. You too. Um, so we've done a couple interviews in the past. We have? We have a few, actually. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, cool. Um, but uh, maybe for people who maybe don't know, you start back kind of back to your roots of, uh, uh, maybe take us back to your childhood and what was it like growing up and kind of finding music in your life and what kind of set you on this path, I guess, to where you are right now? Um, you know, I boy, it started before I can remember. Yeah. Uh, parents that played a lot of music and you know, movies were a big part of growing up. So I, and I also had grandparents. One was a pianist and organist musician, and her husband, my grandfather, was an art director in film. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I kind of grew up looking at storyboards and yeah. and how to edit, you know, um, and, and I could I kind of learned a storyboard, did a lot of the, you know, lenses, lighting, things like that. But all the while, I was, I mean, I loved playing the drums and the piano. I mean, I started really young, yeah. four or five years old, you know, kind oh, of. There was okay. a drum kit around and piano, and I loved playing the organ because it was really loud, and mm. guitar, and, like, and then I got into multi-tracking pretty young. There was a multi-track around. It was all stuff that was kind of um, hobbyist things that my dad had sitting around. Right. So it was that influence of my grandparents and my dad. Um, remember seeing movies, you know, like as a kid, like E.T. and Raiders, and and then I'd go to, I went to like a revival thing of 2001. All all these things kind of affected the way I, you know, saw film and how music like really became part of the films themselves and became almost a voice um, uh, and a character. And I thought that was fascinating how you could you could say so much without even saying words so right instrumental music was something I was really interested in and and so I got into like the John Williams huge huge John Williams fan I saw John Williams concert when I was young so I kind of got into writing in that style a bit yeah but then again I also loved like Blade Runner and Escape from New York and stuff like that so right. I loved the synth kind of thing and and then I, so I, I would, I learned synthesis and kind of yeah, could yeah. move, mess around with those things and programming. And I was pretty much like a, you know, rock drummer. I loved, you know, King Crimson and Rush and mm -hmm. things like that. So all these things that don't connect at all somehow, yeah, if you put them in a Cuisinart, you kind of, <laughs> you know, you get me in a bit. I think, you know, we all stand on the shoulders of giants. Right. And, uh, my favorite Stephen Hawking uh, sentiments, uh, and so you know, I think like anything with music, you you your style is part of your influence, um, your influences. So uh, later, you know, film came around for me in terms of professionally. You know, like I was probably the first opportunity I had was right when I graduated from college. Because you did undergrad and. University of Cal or yeah, I did UCLA, and then I was back at Harvard for my master's. And what was, what was your master's in? Did you was it music related or no? None of 
That's the thing. No, I'm a weirdo. Yeah, I didn't. You know, I studied my history and philosophy, and I was really kind of interested in academics and. you know, in actually being involved in academics, like right. going back into academia, um, writing books. Um, I got very interested in all sorts of writings about free will and yeah. things like that. And so that that's what, and it's still to this day, that's something, that's kind of my, the thing I do outside of music. Like I'm, you know, I'm very involved with the National Center for Science Education and wow. all these different, like, that's you know, amazing. so um, humanist societies and, yeah. and I don't know. I don't know. So, um, so that's kind of, that had its own entropy, but yeah. my music was what was putting me through school. So I was coming back, I, was, I would always do sessions mm-hmm. and I would do anything from DJ to play with an orchestra, I was played in a percussion ensemble, played in a rock band. Yeah. I was doing like this industrial hardcore kind of Thing. It was like a combination of Rage Against the Machine and Nine Inch Nails type of vibe. It was like all over the map. So when I, I there was a, I was in a band. And we were actually about to go record an album. Um, it was kind of a really heavy band, and and I got this offer for a movie because I'd written a song, and um, and so that kind of opened up the floodgates. I wow. scored the film because they wanted the song, and the only way they could get the song for the theme of the movie was if I scored it, kind of one of those deals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, and so before I knew it, all of a sudden my career changed into doing what I really loved growing up, you know, listening right. to, which was, you know, film music. And so here I am. It seems like it was That's yesterday, amazing. yeah. So, we, you know, you found yourself in the industry now. You're kind of starting to get up and kind of score movies and everything. For a young composer, I mean, you're you're seasoned veteran now, but when you're starting out, well, thanks a lot. <laughs> but when you're starting out, <laughs> yeah. When you're starting out, <laughs> no, okay. Is it? Do you? Are you like consciously trying to find your own sound? Are you consciously trying to develop your who Brian Tyler as a musician is? You know, it's funny. I, that really was. Um, I, funny enough, some. I think. I think at first, the very, very the beginning. Yeah. There's a sense of emulation. There, there, right. you, you kind of are an emulator at first. Right. And then as you start emulating and you realize you can't emulate it that perfectly, uh-huh. you start picking up these little musical affectations that are yeah. that end up being yours. You don't know it yet, but you kind of right. develop this weird style thing that I think is inevitable. I think that the key ends up being on as is whether or not someone's kind of particular idiosyncratic style um, stands out or works. Right. And I think that ends up being part of why we feel some people have a sound that is more. So I kind of, my limitations probably uh, benefited me mm-hmm. in that however I wrote, I kind of had a thing that I would do that ended up now people see as my style. Right. But it, it, I don't think there was ever a moment where I was like, "Wow, I got to really work on my style," you know, where I, I get my sound. Um, it just developed naturally. Mm-hmm. Now there's these things, and you can even get criticized for it. You know, I see, I see weird like things online. You know, if I, whenever I'm, I, I, you, you go around, you see people trolling around, kind yeah, of yeah, yeah. analyzing your music, or you get comments and YouTube things, yeah, and yeah. like, "Oh, this is like that," and you know, and 
he, you know, and it, oh, you're doing your that Tylerism, yeah. and it's like what, you know, I and 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 I don't realize it's funny, and and but the funny thing is I do, and I guess it's, I guess it's a good thing, but it, it's it's kind of a double-edged sword when right. someone says, hey man, I went to this the movies and the credits didn't happen, but I totally could tell it was you. Right, but see, I think that's like more of you know you look at the auteur theory and everything, and if you're right. And, like have, and it's not just film music, it's directors and cinematographers and Deacons has a style and or Michael Bay has a style, Spielberg has a style. So they have these kind of, you know, immediately from like two frames of you're watching a certain director. It's weird, yeah. Whether with composers, I think it's the same thing. If yeah. You, if you have a real strong voice, I think you can have that. Yeah, it, it, it is, um, I guess it's a good thing then. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I always saw it as kind of like a, you know, uh, well, people accuse you of self-plagiarizing. Right? That, and that's the thing that people were like, "Oh, you just copied your." You just did your that. thing for that thing again. And you're like, "Did I?" And, right. and 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 honestly, there are times where I'll do something, and I'll be like, I "Really like this." Yeah. And then later, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's a lot like this thing I did 12 years ago." But, yeah. um, but, I think most of it is a stylistic thing. And yeah, I, don't think it's a bad I, I mean, the, the funny thing is, is, I often see the the best is when I see. Someone try to get fancy pants on me on like on something, and they'll they'll be like, "Oh yes, that motif is clearly from Die Fledermaus," and I'll like and I'll go and look at it, and I'll be like, "Dude, like he, that's I don't know if you think a flat six is the same thing as you know a flat five, but they're not the same thing, or you know whatever it is. Right. It, it's just like, but I'm I'm interested in the in that myself, just kind yeah. of like I think it's. It's uh, music evolves in a certain way where we're we are products of our time, but you try to push the envelope, so then you're part of the evolution. It's like right. you know, music right. gets naturally selected out, you know, so it does evolve, um, not always necessarily for the better, but it you, you does evolve, and and it's strange to think that you know you're you're part of that. Right. You mentioned internet trolls and discussing with people online. <laughs> internet so, trolls. Yeah. Do you uh, are you? I mean, do you? Do you read your reviews of your scores or the films that you work on, or do you shield yourself from that stuff? Even, you know, even if it's positive or negative, but are you kind of interested in what people are saying about your work, particularly? Or? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of a morbid curiosity. Sometimes, I mean, I actively do yeah. avoid it. Uh, yeah. I, I, if someone that I know does some does a review or something like that, or someone I've met. I'll ch I'll check it out, you know. I definitely, the, the, but but in terms of just internet chatter, yeah. Um, it's like you know what happens is I get fans that for whatever reason they'll they feel the need to send me stuff. And it's usually if someone said something right. r incorrect, and and I'll, I I used to be of the mind of like I gotta correct that. Like I see stuff that's just yeah. factually incorrect. Right. So I'm I'm like well. You can have it. You're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Right. You know, but then I'm like, eh, who cares? <laughs> it's true. You know, so yeah. um, you know, it's like anything. I mean, you look at you look at anything. You, you like the. I don't even like looking at comments. There's a whole culture around now. Everyone's a critic. That right. used to be. Everyone's a critic. That used to be just a phrase people would say because people would talk at a dinner around the dinner table right. like, well, you know, and they would kind of wax philosophical about whatever but the now it literally the way social media is set up right. where it's like thumbs up thumbs down on every single photo or right. video on like youtube the fact that there's a thumbs down yeah, for just like it's, it's kind of this weird encourages a strange thing where where it's like 
I think that internet comments have gotten increasingly um, become more in the world of warfare, where you see comments and people just start like saying things you'd never hear in public, really. It's like keyboard warriors, and 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 I found that this, I, I really, and I feel that people will curate their social media now, too, to be around. How many likes am I going to get? What kind of comments am I going to get? And and it's and it's. It's gotten weird. So, so in terms of like message boards and stuff like that, it, it's now we've gone into. It used to be almost like it was novel to read message boards. Right, right. People were talking about your stuff. Now it's just so all over the place. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I stay away from it too. Care. I mean, as, even as not of someone who's making music or anything, but I, I, I can't. There's no point because people are setting their opinions in ways, and I, you can't have an intelligent discussion about something people are just be like oh that's a piece of shit like, you like it you're shitty for liking it and yeah exactly like, you know like the second that i like I, i'll i'll the, the thing i do i actually st- i do go on youtube and i sometimes um well if i see something that really bothers me it has nothing to do with music it'll yeah. be something like if something political or right. someone like, you know, is trying to teach that the earth is 6,000 years old in a school, right. public school, or they're, they're trying to take people's rights away, yeah. marriage equality or anything like that, I'll make some comment and I'll just do it under my name. I don't care. And like, yeah. and then it'll be immediately, you know, saying this or that, or you have this lifestyle or you're a yeah. commie or whatever. It's like, Whatever, that doesn't bother me. Music, I'm a little bit more emotional about my own music than, than I, I, I'm, I'm not going to get an argument about music because right. I feel it's someone's a matter of opinion. When it comes to, all, I'm more easily moved to stand up for other people's rights or some kind of social yeah. issue right. than I am about my music. My right. music's my music. People don't like it, great, whatever. If they like right. it, awesome, you know? Yeah. Um, and I get enough people saying how much, you know, I, I get the nicest stories, you know, about, you know, I got married to your, I, I did this to your music, I did whatever, oh, and then, you know, um, I'm, or I got these heartbreaking ones where like, I'm dying of cancer, and I'm gonna, I, I selected your such and such to play at my, you know, over the eulogy of me when I, it's just like, it's amazing to see how much music connects with oh, people. Yeah. So all of that so makes up for any negative right. that I don't even really, yeah. I don't really think about it anymore. <laughs> That's good. I used to though. I did used to. Yeah. No I question. Younger, I will admit it. When you're younger, I think. When I think so. Ego and yeah, like, yeah. Yes. Now it's just no, like, like, really? Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like. Exactly. <laughs> life's pretty good you know for i don't really have much to complain about in any big way Uh, i just wish i had more time but that's so so people harping on you about you know what i mean it's so obscure to some of the things that people say but majority of it's positive it's it's great i'm i you know 99 percent of the messages i get are just really positive and sweet and and the occasional weird stalker, you know. <laughs> 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 the, the, those those are definitely not fun, but yeah, <laughs> some weirdos out there. The internet is big enough. Right. You know, people go like, "Why do you have so many?" Like, because I've had issues with some some people being uh, pretty strange, pretty like stalker, like yeah, you know. Real stalkers. Your prop, your yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Invading private, you know, um, you name it. Yeah. 
where it gets a little scary. Um, and people go like, wow, that's so strange. How's that? And I, and I actually think about it and you break it down just by the math. Or the maths, if you're not from the United States. Um, the, it really isn't that hard to fathom. If you, if you look at the internet and you, and you look at, I mean, what's the percentage of people you think are out of their mind? Just crazy people. Right, I don't know, one tenth of one percent, let's say, okay. like not very many. I don't know, like, it's pretty low. Yeah. Maybe one percent even, like of that are are unhinged a bit. You run into a person, every one hundred people, you're like, just like mentally unstable. Just a little, yeah, they yeah. got something a little messed up, right? Yeah. Well, then you think about it. You take something like, I don't know, my like uh, Facebook, the artist page I have. It's like right. two hundred and fifteen thousand people on it, right? Right. All you need is like five people to hassle you, and it's enough that you're like, wow, this is a hassle. Like, you right, know, right. get in your life. And, and so if you're talking 1%, I mean, that's that's 2,000 people. So if yeah. you're talking one-tenth of 1%, you're down to 200. Wow. It, you, 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 just, you just run the numbers on anything internet now, and, right. and I think anything you do, if you're in the public at all, you're gonna get a number of bad apples right. that will spend all day you know like all day you know where you're just like do you have a job like you right. this is amazing but um i think this is for anyone probably every composer goes through this sure. um even actors know. probably more so than oh i can't even imagine that's a whole different ballpark no. like at least i'm still connected to my social media where all kind of interface on it i have people that work on it and stuff that that help me go through messages in case I have my friend from high school or yeah, grammar school that tries to contact there. me and it's like why aren't you answering me it's like I you know so so there's some of that but I actually try to maintain yeah, a relationship yeah, with absolutely. with the people that listen to my music and so you you when you do that you open yourself up for um, a bit of um, you yeah, you abuse open a, a door yeah. that was closed before and people see that opening and will yeah, take advantage exactly. of it and I'll promise to back off from Facebook. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> no, no, yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're distinct. Yeah. They are distinct. You know, you've done a couple small superhero films in the past. A couple, yeah. Yeah. Um, notably, of course, Marvel uh, with Thor 2 and uh, Iron Man 3 and, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, why do you think superhero films are so popular today, right now, in this time with society? I mean... They were kind of in the 90s, and you had, but there were more, you know, like uh, Burton's Batman. Yeah, it's a different thing. Different thing. Now they're, they're $250 million films, and they're pulling in $1.2 billion in, in, in revenue. So what changed with society where they became this thing? I think, you know, there, there's, I, I think there's a, a two things. You, one time in society, you have kind of a social pendulum swing uh -huh. um, that goes, um, um, it kind of swings back and forth. Above that, you have a consistent through line, I think, in literature, film, opera, you name it, right. that is the hero's journey. And we're talking, you know, Iliad and the Odyssey all the way through now. I don't think there was ever a time where the story of an average person gaining uh, powers or finding themselves in the position of becoming the hero, I don't think there was ever a time where that wasn't popular. So so when you're talking about through the generations, through thousands of years of this, right. um, I think it's consistent. 
and here we are and the latest incarnation is the latest incarnation of the comic book superhero i think the pendulum swing is on how that story is told and it's just kind of like it's almost like uh uh that would be closer to what i think is a trend like um so, uh it, it becomes um the story itself i think is timeless now uh but you you have things that the way it's told that vehicle changes so right. So in the 70s is when you, late 70s, you started getting the science fiction uh, hero's journey kind of story going with Star Wars. And you have Luke and his journey, which has now come back around, of course. But it was really, science fiction kind of took over for a while. Um, Through the 80s, it was the sci-fi tales. And at that time, the idea of a hero's journey superhero character was actually out of fashion and considered antiquated like the 50s and the 60s. You, yeah. th- you think of things like Superman and yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think the end of that was really uh-huh. Superman 1 and 2 with Christopher Reeves and then it kind of just, you, yeah, didn't, yeah. you didn't have much like, the, if, if you saw a Captain America thing, it would be some like really B-level offshoot weird, right. like no one, like yeah, that's just for the people that, that like comics, we're gonna make a movie, right. but no one's really gonna put anything into it. Right. But then, it kind of, the, I think the pendulum swung, and people uh, had their fill of maybe space operas or something, and and then you kind of all of a sudden, you know, after the Tim Burton, the Tim Burton movies, I think were less of the hero's journey; they were more interesting, like uh, id kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and 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 then you have this resurgence of um, comic superheroes, which I, which are twofold. I think you have the the uh, very positive, kind of um, heroic, fun Marvel right. thing with with almost combined with James Bond with the Tony Stark Iron Man kicking it off. Yeah. And on the other hand, you had Nolan and Dark Knight right. and making comic, making it respectable too. Yeah. Um, you know, making it like cinematic higher art. And and I think that the, there's just this need for te- retelling the hero's journey a different way. And and the thing that Marvel really captured was creating a universe of different films that all connected. And this was something that I think all of us growing up always wanted. Like, wow, what if Star Trek and Star Wars were in the same thing or something? It yeah. almost was like that kind of vibe when you'd be like, whoa, there's this guy from this other movie crossing into this movie. Yeah. You know, and they're all under the Marvel umbrella. It was really smart, and right. now you see DC doing it, yeah. and and uh, it's it's really cool. I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's uh, I, I see it more like uh, I think why they're popular because I grew up in the '90s, so I grew up with like really violent action films. You know, yeah. like Crimson Tide. And yeah, the, yeah, the Bay and, and yeah, era. Speed, yeah, and, yeah. And, and I feel like now that the internet is such a big thing, we're we're seeing more of real life more, and we're seeing real terrorism. Just today was an yeah. awful thing, and. And uh, yeah, over again. so I think people don't want to see that in their films anymore. It's it's much tougher. Yeah, yeah you 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 need. You can't have a guy with a bomb on a bus now. These you know right. don't want to see that. Yeah, you want it's to see a superhero. Kind yeah, of thing. yeah, it, it, it ends up being harder to have anything outside of things. There's there are, there are almost photorealistic right. um, exposés of terror. You can't really have Die Hard now yeah. as much where there's a 
kind of a funny take on terrorists taking over the Nakatomi yeah, Plaza. You know, yeah, cool. towers. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, so it kind of, and, and you look at it through the windows of time, and you see that, and it's like, wow, this movie is awesome. Yeah. But at the same time, if it was now, I think people just cr- kind of like cringe on accident, right. not because the movie's wrong, but just because of what's happening in the world. Right. Um, where now you have characters of nonfiction being stranger than fiction. I mean, Trump is a great example. <laughs> you know, you, 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 it's just like, I, I don't know how, it's almost like when I watch Saturday Night Live yeah. now, when they, when they do a, a satire of Trump, that you're like, wow, it's not actually as funny or or not fun. Well, yeah, it's 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 not as bizarre as just the original the delivery. And how do you top it so you just end up kind of saying what he said yeah. literally without yeah. even having to exaggerate, <laughs> exactly. and it's absurd. So so you have all these things going on in the world. So I think the story. I think I think because there's this like need for kind of hope and things like that. That I think the Marvel films kind of find a way in there, and and it's been great working on those yeah, for sure. I mean, you've done some amazing work on them. Thanks. Yeah, really enjoyed them. Something is using to do a lot of scores for ensemble films like Avengers, Fast and Furious, Now You See Me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Expendables, to a degree Truth, uh, and coming up you have Power Rangers, and these are big kind of action films with kind of an ensemble cast, and I'm wondering how you approach, because you know it's easy to write a theme for character yeah do you approach an ensemble as a unit when you're writing the music or do you kind of pick it's, kind of i can make a theme for these two i can make it or how do you kind of you, score it you okay so uh i guess the most interesting example would be something like where like on avengers age of ultron right so when i started writing that i knew that there was a bunch of characters that I wanted to score new, which I did, right. which was Vision, which was Ultron himself. Mm-hmm. All these themes were the first things I wrote for. Then there was also, one of the very early themes I wrote for too, was the relationship between the the Hulk slash Banner yeah. and um, you know Black Widow. So they had to have a thing because they, even though they were characters in the previous movies, they never had this thing. Right. They so it was almost like a unrequited heartbreaky kind of thing yeah. uh, but the cool thing with that was that I had already written the Iron Man and Thor theme so it was like okay well, I'll yeah. just just use those <laughs> um, and uh, and so 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 in that way and then there was new stuff for the ensemble and it was there was a lot of stuff going on with and that also had Alan's theme too there was Alan's so theme was, was in there yeah and then stuff. it worked with Danny and yeah. and like that that was right at the very end but still like it, it was a part of the fabric of right. it um and it was just like it was like you know a wild one because it just kept going and yeah but that was something where you know you really had to examine how do we get this overall like team vibe and then individual certain movies so that one it's almost like those movies are also expansive enough with other offshoot films there is an iron man three there is a thor two and a Thor three coming and and all these things those those can really establish a theme in the other films. So by the time you see yeah. Avengers, you're like, oh, yeah, of course. Right. The thing that's trickier was, like, when I did the first Expendables. It's like, there's so many characters. There's no way I can, like, have a different character for each character, you know. It's just, it would be absurd. So that was more like I had emotional themes. So I had, like, the good guys overall theme. I had their, like, their 
bummer theme, you know, things go wrong theme, and then you have the villain. Right. And you kind of, I think, uh, triangulate the themes. I think that's enough for a movie, and then you write. Right, okay, yeah. You fill in the blanks. Uh, same with in Turtles. You can't do each turtle. It's right. just silly. There are scenes where they would do a little montage, and they would, they would, they would, you would see each one growing up, and you kind of, I would do little, but it wasn't thematic. It was like sound, yeah. you know, like one was Tycho's, and then one was like, okay. you yeah, know, so kind of. Little instrumental motifs. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and you just never got to the point of like the classic late motif. Um, when it's a drama like Truth, and it's an ensemble picture, there I definitely do character themes because right. you, you're ten, you, too, yeah. you have an intimate thing. And you you have and the entire thing is built on the relationships between the characters. So you and it's narrowed down. Right. It was basically Dan Rather and Mary Mapes, you know, Robert Redford and Kate Blanchett. Right. That that seems to be a little bit more of a through line. Um, so it really depends on the project, but it is it is difficult to kind of get inside the the. The, the the like the ensemble you know when by the time you say ensemble yeah. it's enough people that it's almost impossible to do every single character right. by nature right. so I think I just I, I've never even thought about it but yeah. I, I don't unless it's a drama and you're only doing a few themes you just to keep things equal otherwise you have to favor one or the other you really have to do an overall theme right uh, huge franchise that you you uh, have kind of taken over is uh, the Fast and the Furious franchise, and you've done some amazing action writing there too. Oh, and, thanks. And uh, you know they they're and they're getting I mean they're well received with critics, they're well received with fans. I mean they're bringing this kind of fun action thing to to theaters that you know just really great editing and and, and uh, stunt work and everything. How do you make it? I mean, how many car chases have you <laughs> scored in your career? Endless. What? I've done a lot of car chases. So what, I, I, how is it new every time? I, I think you know. I think the thing that's the the hidden uh, secret sauce with yeah. with Fast and Furious, especially, is that what kind of sells the movie initially is the wham bam. Wow, there's fast stuff going on in the movie. Right. In reality, when you look at the films as they've evolved. By the time, especially the last one came around, right. um, the majority of what I'm doing, not time-wise, but creatively, is actually character stuff. Like the 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 relationship between Dom and Letty, and which is Vin, uh, you know, doing like it's it's a relationship that goes all the Vin and Michelle Rodriguez goes right. all the way back. And, of course, Brian and Mia, which is Paul Walker, you know, and I mean, the, the, losing Paul Walker was horrible. Um, and the, their relationship with Jordana, I, I always interchange their names. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Mia, their character names. Um, it was such a big part of it. Um, and that emotional arc was the biggest part of the the story, and and really the movies kind of turned into being about family and life and death and all these things. 
that, that are kind of not what you would ever would have suspected when right. the series started. It's just completely different. Um, but I think what happens is that's the core of my writing. The action material is supported in there. But the thing I always like to do, and it's just kind of a thing, yeah. is that when I'm writing action music, um, I'm a melodic action writer, yes. typically. Well. So I'll, I'll have themes and, and kind of... And so I actually write my action music on the piano um, originally, then get into all the programming and yeah. percussion all that. So in a sense... Um, I'm not troubled by the idea of doing doing because it's not really what I'm there for. Even right. even in the Fast and Furious movie, it's or like if you look at like now you see me. Right. I just finished the second one, and it's an ensemble movie, yeah. and you now added Daniel Radcliffe and right. and um. But but it's 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 really the story about a the second one. Um, a, a, a grown man figuring out, you know, what happened to his father, his relationship with his father, and how he died when he was a child, and all these things. And you're, you're immediately looking for whatever character nuance that can yeah. Pull There's out all, of you. the only way to do it. I think the best action music is emotional action music. I think that he, if it's if it's testosterone and adrenaline, um, after about twenty seconds, you don't care at all. Right. And it's, I think that's kind of music is meant just for the edit more so, like just to keep pace with the editing, whereas you lose the... And those were the action stuff that I grew up with in the 90s. I'm a 90s... I grew up, you know, born 1987, but I grew up in the 90s with that kind of action music where you had the big themes and everything. Yeah, and like Michael that, came in and... You yeah, the, yeah. the chill, you know, and yeah. the, the, you know, it would even make you cry from yeah, just yeah. action music. It's awesome. Like, yeah. It's awesome. And and, and I, I think that that's something you want to hold on to. Um and uh, an emotion could be anything. It could be, you know, peril uh, is an right. emotion. You know, yeah. you, you feel, uh, you look at, I mean, I look back at action scores. One of my favorite action scores might not even be considered an action score, but I see it as some of the coolest action sequences shot ever that had this great musical score that was 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 really frenetic but made you feel. It was like North by Northwest. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, so that's kind of the template for me. Or you watch Raiders, you know, and you brought that to Teenage Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, TMT March. yeah, 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 TMT yeah. The March. march was definitely yeah. There's yeah. a total nod to John, yeah. and um, yeah, I, I think that that's you know to me that's just makes it yeah. more grounded. It's, it's only it's like how I watch films as a fan. Right. If if I watch a film as a fan and I think. Um, that was cool. Yeah. Then, then I should probably attack it that way. I think I do that just automatically, though. Right. Um, hypothetical question: uh, If you could work with a very laid back, maybe agent came to you said, "Very laid back director wants to work with you, Brian. Uh, you get to work with him for a whole year, <laughs> <laughs> a whole year from start from production right? all the way on. He is uh, giving you free reign to do whatever you feel fit and won't really." I just realized I was holding my phone, by the way. Did oh. you notice that? No. You can keep going. I just I just realized it looked really jerkish. I'm like, can you hurry that question up? Because I have this phone here. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. All right. So, I'll yeah. put that away. So the, the, the director that's easygoing for a year. Yeah, or a, a very controlling, 
direct, not, I mean, not, maybe not even in a bad way, a controlling director who knows what he wants. Controlling not in a bad way. <laughs> but, he's, <laughs> but he's gonna give you a, a, set, a, a set way of like, okay, Brian, this is what I want from you. Oh, that's fine. Like, this is what I want from you. You're making him too want. nice. Okay. You should make him meaner. All right, me, all right, he's, he's, <laughs> he's I, I got a temp track and you gotta follow it. Yeah, it's tyrant. And you got two weeks to do it. Right, right. Okay. So, uh, well, I, look, I, I think that the, the way to go would be to clearly go with uh, someone, I mean, there's a win-win with a, a director that gets it, that's right. a nice guy, or a gal, yeah. which I just, actually, I just finished a movie where we had kind of this scenario where it was like, it was actually a little different. It was it, it, um, where I wish I had more time in a way because it was really great um, and a totally different thing. It was for Under the Gun, which is a documentary. Right. Um, yeah, and uh, director Stephanie, who had she had directed Fed Up, really brilliant director. Um, we didn't have that much time for it, but it was really cool, and the back and forth was really great. She she had all these great ideas, and then I've had the opposite where I met someone kind of that I was thrown together with a director at the very end, and I really like them, yeah. and they're great, and it's like you know that would have been cool. If we, we have more time, so I feel like on those, it's it, the 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 good thing is to be able to get as much time as you can. Uh, it seems as though now on my movies that I'm booked way in advance most of the time, um, which is it, a luxury, right? It, it is, yeah. you know. I, um, I it was it wasn't that way. That kind of last minute, like yeah, you got a score, you got your replacement composer, you got to fix it. Like that's a lot. That's happening a lot these days. Though, well, it? I started off that way. I mean, um, I would say through. 2007 or 2008 I was like I was actually like the fixture yeah, the fixture. yeah I, w- I was definitely the guy that they called it I mean I must have I did like 20 movies in a row where I came in to save a score right crazy thing is probably most of the time the scores are perfectly fine yeah probably <laughs> um you know and and there's scores that I've heard later that I loved like um Jerry Goldsmith's score for Timeline I yeah. love that score yeah I was great doing that score too though I really enjoyed doing the movie right but it's a great score. I think they just, I don't know. It ended up sounding funny enough. I kind of did a, almost a tribute to Jerry Goldsmith on that right. score. It was like, uh, so, uh, but in terms of the, the length of time now, I, I, I mean, I'm thinking of movies that I'm doing now. I'm booked over a year in advance on them, you know. Um, and so I can start talking to the director about the script, writing music early. It's interesting. You kind of throw ideas back and forth. That's really cool. In terms of the, you know, I've dealt with the the full range. Right. You know, some directors are don't get it. Yeah. They they don't. It's not that you disagree about music. That's fine. Right. Some just don't. They don't either care about music or it's like an afterthought. That's where you feel like, uh, why am I putting in all this hard work? If right, right. if you know, if you don't yeah. really. Um, in those cases, you just try to avoid at all costs, regardless of how long the time you have is on the film. So, you know, I think it's, I'm in a good spot now. It does take up most of my time in life, for sure. I mean, that's the understatement of all time. But at the same time, I can really kind of develop ideas. Right. And uh, another thing about, I guess, uh, the industry, you you do a lot of projects, you talk about a lot of time, you know, booked a year in advance. It's people forget that it's also a business. And I think unless you live here, you, you remind constantly that yes, this is a business, not just a you know an autistic film. Right. But uh, 
do you have to be a good businessman or woman to be successful in this industry? Do you have to know business, or is that what agents are for? Or do you are you shielded from the deals and the, the drama, yeah. all that stuff? Or is it do you have to know that no. stuff? Yeah, you, look, you, you you try to let them do as yeah. much of that as possible. I really try to remain composer slash artist. Right. Um, it's not reality. Uh, you, you, you need to be really savvy at at least knowing how to navigate through tricky waters because in any endeavor that costs, especially in ones that are hundreds of millions of dollars of an investment, right. you're going to have people that have very different visions and you're walking into something where they've already been arguing. By the time you get to recording a score, producers and directors and executives, the three-headed monster <laughs> of, uh, of making a film, they've been, they've been hanging out in the barracks uh, on the front lines for like two years. Right. And they have their allies and they have their enemies. And you quickly have to figure out who's on what, th yeah. you know what I mean? Because you, you find with enough people, I mean, you can get some, I tend to get along with almost any type of, I'm pretty easygoing. Yeah, you seem like a very easygoing guy. Yeah. Um, so I tend to be the guy that, that the executives and the producers and the director kind of come to to say, can you convince the producer I've been working with for the last two years to not, like, can you tell them that this shot's better? Like, I'm like it doesn't have anything to do with music. Yeah. You know, I'm like, and, and, and the same thing goes the other way around. Can you tell the director, I think we really, what we really need to do is this. And right. so I find myself in that position a lot of time, which which is awkward, but at the same time, it's a good place to be musically because then you don't what you don't want is for you to be a pawn in someone else's uh dystopian game of death chess <laughs> you know where like they're just like in the in the they they do crazy stuff on your you know right. putting you through the ringer because they're trying to get at the other person right happens all the time yeah, but that. you just try to avoid it and and the way to avoid it is to at least know who's dealing with what and the whole time you're trying to just desperately write the best music you can right. to a mo moving target by the way because films now are edited till five seconds before it's released so it's a moving target yeah. you have a lot of politics and all that you have to remember that even though it's art and commerce on a collision course that you have to ride the ride that art horse as much as you can and tra stay true to your craft right. as much as possible have this alter ego of yours, uh, Mad Sonic. Uh, so, how, 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 and I've seen the, the, the videos. You got, you made an awesome single, and um, and you're in the club with the, the turntable. Oh yeah, like yeah. Blasting, and then yeah. it's it's such a different experience. Uh, how did that come to be? That what drew you to that? Uh, I guess uh, EDM. Uh, yeah, world? it's it, it's kind of an outlet. It it, it the. Mad Sonic as a, I guess it's an alter ego. It's really it was meant to be more of like a musical um, project where right. people from different, so you know, it would I, just be for you. yeah, I wanted to combine like it's kind of like I like, you know, mixing it up rock and hip hop and trap and like 
scores. It's it, yeah. it's a free form thing because right. there's no picture to follow, right. and there's I'm the director, so it's like okay, so it's just kind of this like crazy, no rules, to hell with genres, yeah, kind of thing, um, and it kind of came about out out of the fact that whenever I would be scoring these films, since I come from both backgrounds, I was a purely like you know I played in orchestras but I played in bands and I was a songwriter and I had those things going when I started scoring in full effect. Like I couldn't decide which was kind of took the, um, so what had happened is because of that, I invariably would write tons of songs in like over the years in films that I was doing, but under my name and then I'd have another artist work on it and and then it just became so, so much, I became so much a part of it that at a certain point when I was doing the song Shell Shocked with Wiz Khalifa and Kill the Noise and Juicy J and Ty Dolla Sign and Moxie, like, it was like, who's the song by? Well, everyone had these names and I had Brian Tyler. <laughs> and it just, it was like, it, 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 I was like, I gotta come up with something else. It was really the kind of, and this was really fun. It reminded me of the band days. I could get together with musicians and just do crazy stuff where you do you know, all sorts of different kinds of music and then combine it. But so to just make it uh, divide the distinction. So it wasn't like Brian Tyler, this Brian Tyler, that it was like, okay, when I'm doing that, it's this other thing called Matt's on it. Right. And it's, it's kind of like, it's almost like it's for fun. It's something that, that is a great musical outlet for me creatively, but it's actually turned into this thing that I was like, whoa. So, so we did the song shell shocked and I did it as mad sonic. That was the first thing I did. First single ever released. And the single went gold. Yeah. It's like gold record. Like, yeah. So, (laughs) so, uh, it's like, oh, well maybe, maybe there's something to this. And then I start, then I did spitfire rhythm on kill the noises album with him. And then, then now we're doing a remix. It's like this crazy trap meets like, like, Slayer metal thing yeah. with Boombox Cartel, and <laughs> and that that's coming out next month. And then I'm doing this. Uh, and then also I have this lane that I like doing, I like writing music, like Radiohead and M83 and and Explosions in the Sky and Other Lives and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. And and that's actually part of Mad Sonic as well. So it's so I'm I wrote this song called Drift and Fall Again, on for the movie Criminal, which I did with um, Keith Power, who right. co-scored it with me. And we have Lola Marsh, uh, the band, uh, the lead singer of that sings on it. It's this post-rock, epic, melancholy song that um, feels more in that like Radiohead M83 lane. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're doing a video for it and everything. And the song's been released as a Mad Sonic song. So in a way, it just makes it easier to distinguish my songwriting from my... Film scoring and and the name came from my when I set up my publishing company. My my writing publishing company. This was like ten years ago or something. Yeah. I set it up as like what's what sounds like I'm a like what's crazy sound like what's another word for crazy, crazy like mad when you get you know like you've, you've gone mad. <laughs> sound is sonic mad sonic. Mad sonic. So that's where it came from and. Um, so it's fun. It's also uh, really cool being able to get out there and go on stage and connect with. It's definitely a younger audience, um, but I love going to music festivals. It's my favorite pastime. Yeah. Um, I mean, the so energy there is insane. It, things. It's amazing, and I and I've been yeah. going for years. So I'm kind of. It's just cool being on the other side of it and looking right. out at a crowd of. I mean, we did a show down, like in San Diego 
convention center it's like a bazillion people and it's like you know like people going crazy and you can just scream and yell and do anything right and anything goes the cool thing is i i made it the connection to it is all cinematic like i start every show with like a score intro Uh and what we use more subs and like i'll i'll do tributes i did like a tribute to harry potter mixed with like a drum and bass dubstep thing like all this crazy stuff and you and then i bring in my own stuff iron man's in there and in you take people on a journey visually too um right and um and in a weird way i've actually now had people that listen to that stuff that have gotten into scoring that like are like oh i checked out your albums yeah and oh it's and really it's all just telling a story you know um with music so uh yeah it's a lot of fun i love it (laughs) Sonic, you are facing the audience. You are right. seeing them, and they're yelling and they're screaming, and you're yelling and screaming back. Whereas <laughs> you're now doing a concert coming up in, in London, yeah, where you'll be com- uh, conducting some of your scores. Yeah, the back is turned. You're facing the orchestra, and you don't see the audience. Uh, it's super strange. I've always found it to. So I grew up playing in bands and right. being on the stage or being in the orchestra. I was never the conductor, right. so I was always facing the audience. I'm. I like facing the audience. Right. I like seeing with. It is. Weird being like? a no conductor. Thousands yeah, thousands of people behind you, and you can't see them. Right. Um, and, uh, and they're quiet too. It, they're not it, screaming or cheering. Yeah, it's weird. Like you work. Yeah, <laughs> they they do, when you're doing it. I, I for some reason I think I I've noticed when I've done things like that before. I I somehow attract kind of a rowdier crowd than you, well, you're, you're an interge- I mean, I see you perform live, man. <laughs> like, like, at the Perez concert, you're just like, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. really gets into it. It's awesome. I, I love conducting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can tell I have drumming background. Okay. Uh, and, and and so, you know, but and also, I, like, my, my legato conducting is, is, I mean, it's straight from the Leonard Bernstein, like, extremely emotional kind of right. thing. But, I mean, I'm just into it. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I definitely get into it. Yeah. Um, not like when, what you could, a metronomic. Um, but yes, with the choir, and we're doing this concert in London in May. Big choir, big orchestra. We're gonna have drummer and guitar as well. But we're gonna do some things that are straight up right. orchestral. Some of it's hybrid. We're gonna bring out singers and sing, you know, we're things from like Children of Dune, and there's That's like awesome. there's Thor, and there's Iron Man, and there's Avengers, and there's Now You See Me, and Constantine, and on and on and on, and. So I'll, yeah, it's a different thing, you know. You 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 still want to bring the energy. There's still a flow to w- taking the the audience on a journey. Yeah. Um, but it's a, just a different vehicle. When you're out there doing a Mad Sonic show, it's like, I mean, they're literally like right there, yeah. and they're throwing stuff, and like, and I I'm I'm taking water bottles, and you know, doing yeah, that. Yeah. It's it, but in the in a weird way, it's not really different what it does to you emotionally. You want it to move you, and the same kind of techniques that I use for scoring, I use when yeah. I do the Mad Sonic stuff. So wow. in a weird way, they're closer than you think to each yeah. other, you know. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to that concert. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's- yeah come on out man it's not that far all right well i guess to to wrap things up uh let's see if if, uh we talked about many which ways uh subjects and everything but let's just say uh, if you could be anything else on a film set or film production not the composer director writer uh cinematographer actor what would you be if you could do any other job fluffer fluffer yeah. <laughs> Different film set. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I, I probably would be um, 
I, I would probably be a, a, a cinematographer, I would say. Yeah, um, I love that. I, I find the the difference between music and visuals to be a... They're, they're opposite sides of the same coin to me. Yeah. Um, but see, that, for, for me, I guess I'm not a musician here, so yeah. when, I, when I got into film music, I went to film school because of I got my love for scores. When y'all listen to music, it, images, whether yes. it's lighting, color, it sure. pops in my head. 100%. And that's how I write screenplays. That's how I get into any totally. emotional state. And I think it's... And it brings it back around too. No doubt. I mean, when I was describing uh, the song "Drift and Fall Again," the Mad Sonic song, uh, that's coming up. It's funny. Someone it's just yesterday. Someone asked me to describe the song, and I, without thinking, I was like, "Oh, like Terrence Malick." You're like, wow. "What are you?" And I was wow. like, "Oh, oh, wait, wait, no, 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 no." Uh, yeah, like, I think you know how, to, like, how the tree of life looks. That's what the song sounds like. That's easier for me than describing. Like, it uses synthesizers and guitars with the tempo that is slow like it doesn't that doesn't yeah so i and i think it's because every all the tylers also in my family all um my dad my dad's dad my dad's dad's dad um, they were all visual arts my dad's an architect and a painter my grandfather's an art director my right. it's just on and on goes yeah. back forever so i grew up painting and doing wow. that kind of thing and and also just learning the craft that way and the fact that I associated from the first time I heard music it was really film music I associated Strauss with 2001 and space you know or Ligeti or whatever Fantasia was the first film I ever saw oh right so exactly. it, it kind of does something to you yeah. so I think I, I love lensing and it's something is kind of like a like a fun side thing and and uh, for me it, it'd probably be the closest thing in a way um, uh, to being a composer on a film yeah um, yeah. Well, Brian, I want to uh, thank you again for your time. Sure. You're so generous. Uh, thank you so much for inviting me here. And it's of course. Next time we'll be in the next studio. Oh yeah, your brand new studio. Hollywood, that's right. Hollywood Hills coming up. Yeah, that's right. Well, I look forward to it. Thank you so much, sir. Sure. <laughs> and uh, try a delicious tejava because <laughs> got to pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.